For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Within this old house live two residents. One of them is John Russell, composer, professor. The other has been dead for over 70 years. Claire, I'd like to talk to you about the house. Once again, to 31 Days of Riding Beef, 
Uh, with me is my co-host, Jamie Jenkins. How you doing, girl? I am doing great, and that's two times. Yeah! I'm excited. You're welcome to come on any of these. You, you know that. Just, uh, busy, busy, busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm, but I'm glad to be here when I can be, because this is fun. Just quick little, you know, nibbles, if you will. Definitely. And uh, with me, all, as well, is, uh, Brian M. Sammons. How you doing, sir? Yeah, pretty much where Jamie goes, I follow. <laughs> Does she have a lead? Yeah. As long as you don't take pictures in the gym suit, I'm okay with that, okay? <laughs> and it doesn't even have spikes on the collar. <laughs> okay. Just a regular choke chain. <laughs> I chewed through the other ones. Beautiful. <laughs> uh, tonight, we are doing The Changeling from uh, 1979, starring the great George C. Scott. And... Basically, plot, plot synopsis of this, George C. Scott plays a guy, a uh, music composer slash teacher, whose wife and, and daughter are tragically killed in an accident. This uh, forces him to move on and move in to a creepy house, which uh, some some goings-on going on happens in his house. He starts to hear weird noises. He starts to see doors opening and close, and it gets into a whole lot more deal with some soap opera conspiracies, I'll say. And, uh, yeah, intrigue, stuff like that. Um, the only other cast member I really recognize in this film, and I kind of feel bad about this because I'm unprepared, I guess, is Gene Marsh, who, of course, is, uh, the evil Queen Bad Morta in Willow, if you remember that movie like I do. <laughs> um, Jamie, take the lead on this one, girl. What do you like about The Changeling? Oh, man, everything. Uh, this, this is, okay. <laughs> Brian and I frequently talk about how we we miss the days when you would get a good adult horror film, and that does not mean that we don't that we're downing any like you know a slasher because both of us are huge slasher fans and and so it doesn't it doesn't mean that a film can't be silly or aimed at the youth because we love them all. But this was during a time when horror was taken very seriously and you had things like the exorcist and the omen and you know, this, which is a very adult film. It's, it takes all of its cues from the atmosphere, the surroundings. You have all adult characters, uh, like George C. Scott, who has gone through some severe emotional trauma. And uh, he, oh man, he does a good job here. I, I just, I love the way he emotes. To be such a a surly guy, um, and one that I, to this day, whenever I hear the name George C. Scott, the first thing I think of is Patton. Even though he is in several of my favorite horror films even like uh, Exorcist 3 I think he does an excellent job there too but I always think of him as Patton and uh, to see him awake in the morning after dreaming about his dead family and just he's he's broken down in tears it brings tears to my eyes you know he just really tugged at my heartstrings there and this film I think is genuinely creepy scary it's also very sad it has several sad moments um i don't even know what i it's set in seattle which is wonderful because you get the constant dreary rainy wet feel that just is inherent to seattle 
so it lends itself beautifully to a ghost film. And you've got this huge, like, gothic mansion that where everything is impossibly large. I mean, these rooms are just unreasonably large. There is no reason in the world this house should be this big. But um, it just makes it that much more ominous. It sort of compounds his loneliness and his isolation and the fact that he's there all by himself and he starts hearing the pounding and have little things like a rubber ball you know, bouncing down the stairs or whatever. Little bitty things just become that much more ominous in this particular setting. So I think it's handled beautifully. The direction is amazing. The score is very good. I paid special attention to the score when I was listening to the, or when I was watching it this time. And I really don't have anything bad to say. There's a tight little mystery. And... You know, there's a little bit of misdirection, maybe a third of the way through the film, where you think that uh, it's going to be one thing, and it, you find out it's something much, much darker than you actually thought it was. So, the, again, I have to... If you have never seen this film, then something is severely wrong. <laughs> You've got to remedy that right now, particularly if you are a fan of ghost films, of good haunting films, because this is... Top notch. Uh, Brian. I have always loved this movie. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always hurt my soul when I've been talking to horror fans, die hard, big time horror fans, and a subject of good horror films, maybe in general, or even more specifically, good haunted house or ghost movies. And I mentioned the change lane, and I get nothing but blank looks and crickets in the background. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. I mean, this is a movie that really seemed to have been forgotten. And that's a shame. I mean, <clears throat> the DVD copy I have is bare bones. It's old as dirt. I mean, there's Blu-rays coming out of some of the most insipid bullshit you can imagine. Yet this is still some hard-to-find, out-of-print, DVD-only movie? That's a travesty. As Jamie said, this is a film made by adults for adults. And yeah, I like... I mean, one of my favorite movies of all time is Chopping Mall, and that movie's about as stupid as you can get, but I love it. Um, so I can love silly movies and bloody movies and gory movies and hardcore movies and all different types of horror films, but it seems to be a lost art where horror films are taken seriously. You know, they're not just made for quick boo scares or blood and guts. They're really made to scare the hell out of you. And they do that by mood and by atmosphere and just a hell of a good story and great acting. George C. Scott owns this movie. He is straight up pimp in it. He carries it. I mean, probably 70% of the movie is just George C. Scott alone. There's other actors. Yeah, there's, you know, secondary actors, but this movie, it lives and dies by George's performance. And he just knocks it out of the park. There's a there's a neat little mystery here, and <clears throat> I love mysteries. Whether they're straight up mystery films or books, or if they're blend in other elements, like in this case horror. But many movies, they have uh, a mystery going on. It's usually like this: you don't know anything, you don't know anything, you don't know anything, you don't know anything, you don't know anything. Then they'll find the one book, or they'll meet the one character that knows all the exposition. Then you'll have a 10 or 15 minute info dump. 
and then boom, end. And that's crap. That is lazy. That is like the worst way to handle that. Here, there's a good little mystery of what's going on and who did what. And the information is handed out expertly. You get a little bit here and then a little bit more and then a little bit more. And like Jamie said, yeah, there's even some misdirection on you know, who could be the haunt and what's going on and the, the whole reason behind the ghost. But it just this is a very measured film. It is a very deliberately paced film. It is just it's it's craftsmanship that you just don't see anymore, sadly. Um, for far too often, horror is seen as the quick cash grab that no matter how much how little money you throw at a film, it's going to make money back. I mean, that's the Roger Corman way. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Corman films. That's the Bloomhouse way. And again, I love a lot of Bloomhouse films. But nowadays, horror is made for almost like the most cynical reasons, because it's profitable. They don't care about telling a good story or great story, really scaring you. It's no, we know the elements, we know the formula. A plus B equals C equals scary movie equals money. So they know to put just enough money in where they can get whatever the hell they need, whatever CGI effects they need, and they know that enough kids will go see it, and even if it's a total piece of shit like Ouija, it'll still make money. <clears throat> that movie made bank, and that movie is horrendous. Indeed. And that movie's going to make a sequel, or I should say they're making a sequel to it. Movies like this, it's just... Takes a lot more effort, takes a lot more time, takes a lot more skill, and probably a lot more money. So you just don't see them anymore. And it's a goddamn shame. But rant aside, um, this movie is awesome. It's one of the few movies out there that can legitimately creep me out. I love horror films, all kinds and flavors, but very few can actually scare me. Probably I can count them on a, one hand. This is one of them. Just something about it, just the way it works, um, it works very well. So you have a damn good story, you have good direction, you have George C. Scott acting his ass off, you got good creepy atmosphere, there is not one bad thing about this entire film. I love the hell out of it. And if you are like many fans out there and you've never seen it, you need to. Track down a copy somewhere. And watch it, preferably alone at night, and it will scare the hell out of you. Duh. Yeah, me. The Changeling was the first time watched for for this program for for forever. I never seen it before. I've always seen the VHS box with you know. I think there's a, the balls on the ground, and of course the wheelchair, which comes into play in the plot. And um, yeah, that George C. Scott, you know, like you guys say, he right, he runs this movie, and he, he runs it very very well. Because nobody can kitty emote quite like him. <laughs> I remember um, a movie I like. I what introduced me to George C. Scott was Angus in in, in high school or middle school almost about a, a fat kid who was good at science and fair football and he played his grandfather in this movie. You know, and I can relate to that kid. You know, let's <laughs> put it that way. That's why I watched Angus so much as a kid. So George C. Scott was kind of like my grandfather in, in a way. So. <laughs> Um, if this movie itself, it, it's, it's, it's very, very spooky. Like, like DJ both said, it, the house, the house itself plays a character in the whole film. 
because uh, even the caretaker says that when he can't explain the, the, the random dings in, in the night that he hears, and we should find out later why you're hearing these things. It's, it's all connected to what happens. And that's just, this is, the, the, those are just sounds that old houses make, he claims. And that's true, because if you're living like an old house, you know, by, by fight or flight, you know, those, those houses are going to make old, old house noises, like, because they're drafty and, you know, for whatever reason, these these old houses make noises, and this one's at least a hundred years old, probably. Um, I, I like the the slow burn in this movie. I, I don't I don't particularly enjoy slow burns usually, but this one it it didn't you know map it out to you like Brian said. It didn't just give you like one piece of exposition. It took a lot of time to put it all together, almost like you're unraveling a fine mystery. But you're doing it piece by piece, like it was done in this movie, not just blown up in your face all at once. Um, ooh, what else? It's just genuinely creepy. The 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 scenes you see that the um the 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 flashback scenes of uh yeah, there's a tub scene in this movie which is pretty graphic, and because you don't see it coming, all of a sudden, like, holy shit, what the fuck's he doing to this kid? And all of a sudden, that happens, and you know. <laughs> Fucked me up, man, because I, I didn't see it coming, you know, because all the time you think it's somebody, but it's, it's somebody else, and they're, they're, they're waiting for something, and that was where I was talking about the little soap opera thing, which you could either enjoy or not enjoy, because it's been every every kind of soap opera, you know, when, of course, you have family conflicts and family conspiracies and family theories and what's really going on, that plays a big part in this movie, and the final conclusion, um... Yeah, it's just genuinely scary, and then it, 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 I, I wish I would watch it with the lights off at night, but I didn't. I watched it on YouTube, sitting in my my chair, just watching it and enjoying what I was seeing. And I, uh, what else? Like you mentioned, the score, Jamie. The score is pretty wonderful in this film too, and uh, that 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 plays a big part in the movie. I love when scores play a, a big part in the movie. This had a great scene in it where, you know, the classic Eddie Murphy uh, delirious line of when something gets haunted at a white folks' house, they invite more white folks over. That, that happens in this movie in a seance, and it's pretty <laughs> pretty entertaining. <laughs> it happens more than you think, people. You should look look up this, how many films. And I know Mo Porn made his giant uh, list of sex romp pictures. I'd love to see a, a list of films where white folks have a haunting and they invite more, more white folks over list. Just, just uh, make Angel that. Angel Horror is one. <laughs> uh, yeah, the list, got, the list does go on and on. For some reason, we feel the need to share our hauntings <laughs> with other white folks. Um, <laughs> um, I am so glad that you liked this. It always makes me happy whenever someone watches something for the first time and... and I and I is something that I love, and then they end up liking it. That makes me happy. I implore you, people, please do not read the comments on Amazon. <laughs> um, I went there earlier to see if it had ever had another release, and sadly, there's only the one DVD release, and it's the one that we have, and it's you know very basic. But that's the only way you can get it right now. Um, but. I stumbled across several one-star ratings while I was there, and I was like, well, let me see. I don't know why I do this to myself. but So I started reading them, and it just, oh, it made me so angry to read what these people had to say. So I implore you, watch the film, but do not go to Amazon and read the reviews. Of course, most people out there know better than me anyway. Most people don't do that, uh, but... Um, 
you know, I try to avoid the IMDb comments and stuff, but you know, whatever. Sometimes you get yeah. sucked in. Don't take also, this the wrong. No, sorry, don't take this the wrong way. But I, I can see not not see myself, but I can see why folks would give it the one star rating because those folks didn't strap themselves in for this movie in a way. You know, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, I don't know. It's just some and, of the and, stuff and, that and, people were saying. Just well, one person actually said the acting was terrible. No, and I don't at all see where they got that. I don't see where that came from. They pulled that straight out of their ass. Sadly, so that's what I'm saying. Don't read it. <laughs> Sadly, everybody has an opinion, even morons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I will say too that I think, and I've always said this, that if you are a fan of Stir of Echoes, then I think you'll like this film. Because to me, there are several notes that hit the same. But, I mean, it's not the same, but I can, I think they would actually be a good double feature. Well, yeah, I can see that. But, um, yeah, this film for me was a, it was a great first time watch. And I, I know I didn't sing the praises like I should, but it's going to take more subsequential watches for me to catch everything and all that good stuff. But... The creepy stuff is creepy. I, I love the stuff. Anything where, where something's bouncing down the stairs, especially this, I couldn't tell if it was, a, it's, it's obviously not a croquet ball because. It's a it could, little rubber bouncy ball. And it bounces down the stairs and then he, there's a scene where he goes to go throw this in the river because it resembled his daughter's ball. Obviously these ghosts are fucking with him like they do for this whole movie. And then the ball comes back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's what you know. And I love the, the, the right away, you yeah. know, what the Listen. first 12 minutes in, he's playing that piano in the house, and all of a sudden the key plays by itself, and you know something's wrong right away. But it doesn't <laughs> happen all it doesn't happen all at once, you know. You know, it doesn't. It takes time to stretch its legs and that I that that is a good thing, you know. Um I, I think we all need to Hone our attention spans a little more. Something has gone wrong with society that we have such short attention spans these days. Sit the fuck down. Settle down. Relax and enjoy something. Allow a good story to unfold in front of you. And, you know, allow yourself to be sucked in. You can give something 90 minutes to two hours and, you know, let yourself enjoy it. It won't hurt you. Also, no... CGI shadowy specter bullshit. Um, Thank the Lord. If you've seen previews for the new Paranormal Activity movie, now we can debate if the Paranormal Activities are good or not. The first one, obviously a lot of people liked it. I'm one of them. I liked the first movie. It didn't need any of that. But goddamn, this next one, they got shadows and ghosts and spirits and specters and spooks and haunts and... I mean, every sort of crap you could think of just dancing in front of the screen the whole time. <laughs> Another movie? Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peaks. Oh, I hate to say it, but it's true. Yeah, I, it, it breaks my heart. It I love heart. me some del Toro. I, he's one of the best directors going nowadays, in my opinion. And yet I have zero interest in seeing that film. Because it just looks like shit. It looks like the only scares are going to be shadowy, spooky CGI shunts. And you don't need that. Here is a movie that doesn't have any of that, and it's scary as hell. You don't... The technological wizardry is just such a crutch. Hell, 
what was that? The woman in black, the Harry Potter kid, um, his big first non-Harry Potter film. I really liked that film, except every time the ghost was on the screen. Everything else about that film was really well done. It had good atmosphere. It was well acted. It had some genuinely creepy moments, but they had to ruin it with, you know, the Nintendo 64 version of a ghost every five seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's so lazy. It is so cheap. It's just, you know, why try to make the audience scared? Don't worry. We'll just put it in post. We'll add a spooky face. There. Done. Horror movie. Fuck you. And a musical sting. Don't forget about the stings. You oh, have of course. To have. <laughs> oh, but uh, with the, with all that, I guess we'll go into grades now, uh, Jamie. <laughs> what do you get? <laughs> no, that is okay. I, I love a good rant, and you know, the rants are good. Uh, Jamie, what do you give it for a yeah, one through ten, girl? This is a ten for me. I think this is the way that films should be made. This is the way ghost stories should be made, and uh, it is a it is heartbreaking to me that it has been virtually forgotten. Uh, Brian. Uh, is there any doubt? Is there any question? It's a 10. Um, I don't think there's anything about this movie I would change. Uh, it is it is a gem. And yeah, it's a crying shame that more people out there just don't know it. Um, yes, yeah, for me, uh, I remember seeing the VHS box very prominently. I remember seeing it around. I remember hearing much, much about it. But I think the plot synopsis kind of turned me away. If you read the plot synopsis of the film, you've got the, the brain span of a 15-year-old boy, it might not turn you on so much. But, you know, like Martin, you know, with an adult brain, you you could sit still. You're not so ADD all of a sudden. And you could enjoy life and enjoy a film like this. But uh, since it's the first time watching, I didn't catch everything, I'm sure. I might be subsequently give it an 8. And there's nothing against the film. It's just I need to watch it again to, to catch more stuff. That is a very solid score. I don't apologize for that. I'm, I think that's a very strong score. And and I think, honestly, um, you were probably – it was probably a good thing that you didn't watch it at 15 because you probably wouldn't have liked it very much. And then that may have colored the way you viewed it now. Well, probably. I mean – Martin was tainted to me, but it didn't hurt my, my viewing of it this time around. So that, uh, yeah, different eyes, different eyes always helps, you know. But let me say, you know, if you are a younger listener out there, don't let that stop you. I did see this at a very young age, but um, I came across it one night. It was on cable. I didn't know anything about it. I was uh, alone because my mom was working. I was a latchkey kid, boohoo for me. And uh, so I just put it on and scared the living hell out of me so if you know if if you're open to it if uh you're not add riddled um if you don't shiny keys jingled in front of your face for the whole length of an entire film um if you want something that is truly scary then give it a shot i'm betting you'll like it and no you may not taste as subjective but this is just this is this is high quality stuff here. This is people making a film who gave a damn and not just doing it for a paycheck. Let me tell you this, if you have a good sound system, <laughs> then crank that sucker up and you will definitely feel it. Um when the banging starts, I mean it just sends shivers straight up your spine. You'll know um, what I'm talking about. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> 
talk And I can't remember the last time I broke a sweat Sad to know my life's so easy to forget
now some messages from Court Psyops, Ricky Morgan, and Brian M. Sammons, respectively, coming up next, right now, if you will. In the name of the blood, in the name of the love, in the name of the blood dripping out of the sun, I call out your God, till before me he stands, but don't send me Jesus, he's only a man. What's up, everybody? It's Cinema Beef. This is Court over at Cinema Psyops. Holy fuck, three years, man? Are you serious? That's fucking awesome. Congratulations. I know everybody hasn't been there all the time or what have you, but I know, Gary, you've been putting this out for three years. So congratulations, man, on that perseverance. And Jamie and also X, you guys are doing great work with them now. I think this is the ultimate version of the cast. I wouldn't change it for the world. You guys are all great together, and I think it works perfectly. You guys are a triumphant triumvirate, if you will. Absolutely excellent. Now, speaking of the threes, you wanted the three greatest film beefs. Well, first of all, remakes in name only seriously are you just buying the name because it's already a known product and dumb fucks will line up in the theaters to go see it well of course you are that's exactly why you're doing it it's a brazen money grab and go fuck yourself because some of us actually like those original movies and you should have just re-released them if you wanted to do a money grab piss off that leads me to my next one michael bay and his goddamn bablosions speaking about remakes in name only or just adopting franchises that already have a popular name yeah no dumb it's going to make money, you popcorn-making motherfucker. Your movies suck, you suck, and stop being so full of yourself, Michael Bay. I'm looking at you, and I ain't happy. And last but not least, romantic comedies. Look, we know people fall in love. We know that sometimes hilarious things happen when people fall in love, but romantic comedies get it 100% wrong. I've never seen any romantic comedy that fully really applies to any loving situation in anything ever. They all suck. They're all stupid, and really they're only there to rake in money for girls or women or even men who just want to feel what it feels like to fall in love for the first time over and over again. They're formulaic, they're boring as shit, and I hate them because my personal romance story with my wife is the greatest story I'll ever need to hear about how two people can fall in love. So fuck you, Hollywood, and stop pumping that bullshit down our throats. Last but not least, I think the film that affected or shaped the way that I watch films to this day, now this is going to be a weird one, but Living in Oblivion, led by Steve Buscemi, it gave me a very early look at how films are made in the independent world behind the scenes and I gotta say it shaped the way I looked at movies because I started thinking about how they made them, what choices they were making in the writing what they were trying to say, and all the shenanigans and weird shit that happens behind the scenes. It did sort of shape it. Um, I haven't seen the movie in quite a few years, but I remember really enjoying it and liking a lot. One of those things that I happened to catch on IFC as a kid, so it really shaped the way that I looked at movies ever since then. So, there you go. Hope my list helps, and again, congratulations on three years, guys. That's fucking amazing. Awesome work. Later. Hey, guys. This is Rick from the Helming Power Hour. Just want to congratulate you guys on three years. Really enjoy listening to Cinema Beef. Any show that's got a clip from Phantom of the Paradise, I'm automatically a fan. So uh, Gary reached out and and asked me to uh, put a little something together to send to you guys. 
in celebration and uh, wanted three film beefs. Well, as you know, here at Hell Ming, we don't do anything normal. So I've got these sound bites I'm going to give to Gary and he can decide to use them or not. And uh, But there's some beefs I have. I think you'll see a common thread in those. Uh, as far as uh, a film rage quit, I would almost have to say uh, I've never really walked out of a film. But uh, the one that came really, really close was A Knight's Tale. Uh, the movie just felt funky the whole way through. I know it's some sort of cult classic now, but I'm a big fan of, of the medieval-type movies, and this one just ruined it for me, especially when he got stuck in the arm with the jousting experience and uh, can't use his arm, so he switches the other arm. And then after he beats the guy, he jumps over a rail using the arm that was damaged. So that just kind of threw it for me. As far as movies that shape the way that I watch films now, I have to go all the way back to the first Evil Dead movie. I think it was the first movie where I realized how a person can make a movie on their own. Uh, it didn't seem like it had to be a big Hollywood production, so it really made me look at things from a different angle of trying to figure out exactly how he did all the camera shots, Sam Raimi I'm talking about. All those angles and stuff you know, just blew my mind, and uh, from that point on, I used Sam Raimi as, as basically a, a measuring stick. Uh, and looking at other shows and stuff so uh but anyways guys great show i love it hope you have many more years hey gary x and jamie this is brian sammons from the abcs of hidden horror evil episodes and dark regions radio i wanted to call to say congrats to all of you for your three-year anniversary that's impressive I haven't been doing the podcasting thing for quite that long. I don't know if I will be. So I am in awe of all of you, that you have the tenacity and fortitude to continue to do it for such a long time. I've enjoyed your show from the beginning, from when I started listening to it till now. And I wanted to say thanks for having me on an occasion. And you all can go to hell for making me watch some truly horrible films when uh, you guys cover some real stinkers. Because uh, if Jamie watches them, then I do. So thanks. Thanks for that. Anyway, you had asked me some questions to share some of my um, thoughts and insights on a few things. So here we go. You asked me, what was my three greatest film beefs? Well, okay. Uh, the first one would be exposition bombs. I hate it when everything in a movie just stops. Dead. So one or two characters can just have a conversation and give you all the information you need to get you up to speed, to have you catch up, and just everything grinds to a halt. And then they have their little conversation, and then it's like, okay, well, we can go back to, you know, the actual movie now. There are so many better ways of doing that. All information, or if not all, the vast majority of it can be told as the movie progresses. Exposition is telling, not showing, and it is just aggravating as all hell. In real life, doesn't work that way. Another beef of mine is unlikable characters, especially in horror films. These are the people I'm supposed to care about when the killer's chasing them around, trying to chop them up into kibble, or when the monster's trying to eat their face off, or anything like that, and yet you give me total reprehensible douchebags? Pieces of crap I would not stop to piss on if they were on fire? And I'm supposed to care what happens to them? No, that's a fail. And this happens more and more and more in just a whole bunch of modern horror films. In the old classics from the 70s and 80s, there were always jerk characters. There was one or two in every film. 
but the rest of the cast was supposed to be likable. You were supposed to care about them. I don't know why everything has now flipped and just everybody is an asshole. The third thing that really uh, pisses me off is another modern film contrivance, and that is muted or monochromatic color palette. The more modern films I watch, the more I see this, the more it aggravates me. And you can take an otherwise semi-decent or good film. It may have a good plot, some good direction, some decent acting, and then it just gets ruined because everything has one color. Or the color correction is abused to such a degree it becomes laughable. There is a movie we watched recently called Dark Was the Night. And every scene, every single scene outside was blue. Comically blue. Not just a little blue to impart cold. It, it, it was like they painted the lens blue. Every single scene inside was piss yellow. And then at the end, they alternated between red and green. So essentially, there was four colors in this entire film. And it was such a poor, poor decision that it distracted me. If, if The movie might have been good. I don't know, but just I hated watching it. The act of watching it angered me. When your movie visually assaults me to such a degree like that, you have failed. Speaking of movies that have failed... You wanted to know my greatest film rage quit. What movie drove me to the brink where I said, ah, screw it, and walked off or turned it off? Actually, not too many, and not by my own volition. Unfortunately, Jamie doesn't allow me to rage quit movies all that much. Oh, I would. I'm a firm believer that if I give movie, let's say, a half an hour, and I'm not liking it, then the whole rest of the movie could be pure gold. The ending could be amazing. But if you got to slog through all that shit to get to it, it's not worth it. That's a bad film. Great ending or not, it's not worth it. But once Jamie starts a movie, she wants to watch it to the end, see my previous comments about you guys making me suffer. Recently, the two most egregious offenders of that was a horror film called Headless, which was about a guy who liked to get women, chop their heads off, skullfuck them, Rinse, repeat, over and over and over and over and over again. After about a half hour, I knew everything that movie was trying to tell me, and it just didn't stop. More recent than that, and much more horrible, is a little turd called Hashtag Horror. This movie angered me. It hurt me deep in my soul. It was one of the most pretentious pieces of shit I've seen in a long time. It was the very definition of style over substance. And let's get something clear right here. The style was crapped and there was zero substance. This movie is just, it offended me in a personal level. I hate, hate, hate that film. And yet I watched it to the end. So maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. Last but not least, uh, a film that I think shaped the way I watch films today. Well... Friday the 13th Part 4, I don't think shaped the way I watch films, but it was my gateway drug to horror. It is, literally, a movie that changed me. It is a film that made me the person I am today. It is the chief reason I am in love with all things horror. So that's why that movie will always have a special place in my heart. And very few films affect people like that. But it honestly was a life changer for me. As far as how I watch films today, I think the thing that influences me the most is not necessarily other films, 
but it's my profession. Uh, I'm a storyteller by trade. I'm a writer. And so now plot is so important to me when I watch films because I'll rail about bad characters or stupid decisions or I hate when characters act stupidly just for the sake of plot to progress the story. They will do stuff that previously they would not do that no sane individual would do, but damn it, we need them to get from A to B, so no matter what, we're going to you know, bludgeon them until they get there. The, the structure of a story and being true to it is very important to me. If you can't stay true to a story and have your movie work, then don't tell that story. Do something else. Don't try to cheat it. Don't think we won't know, because we will. So now I'm maybe hypersensitive to that. I'm always aware of, you know, the written word behind the images on the screen. Well, that's it for me. Again, congrats to all of you on your amazing anniversary. And please do keep the shows coming. I'll keep listening. Thanks again. Bye. All right, guys. We've heard a lot of uh, other folks' beefs now and all that good stuff. Let's hear from us now. This should be a lot of fun. And I'm going to start with my friend X here. Oh, but, uh, boy. Give us our three, your three greatest film beefs, sir, for, to, 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 to jump off here. You know, and, and, and this is beefs of all time, because I figured, why the fuck not? So, okay. Oh, here we go. Uh, my first biggest film beef is the trailer for Blade Runner. Now, you got to understand, because when my buddy Tom Elliott and I were like 12, 13 years old, that's when Blade Runner came out. And, of course, being that age, we were uh, horny pretty much all the time. Because, fuck it, that's what happens when you're 12 or 13, right? You're just like this big container of, of hormones, and you just do whatever you can to feed that desire to see or touch something whatever but um we saw we saw the trailer for blade runner while we were watching another movie and we were really excited because there's this one part in the trailer where harrison ford says to sean young do you love me undress me now i know that's not the line that's not the line but that's what the line was in the trailer i swear to god which version of that fucking movie was that? This, this was like the original. The, I know this is like the original theatrical cut. This was like when it first came out back in '81. So, you know, we saw the trailer. We thought, oh, this is going to be amazing because not only is this like a really cool looking sci-fi movie, but it's going to be full of hot future sex. And um, so we sneaked into it when it came out. Sneaked into it. We sneaked into Blade Runner, and I—I I don't know. I guess we were like maybe expecting a smarter version of Galaxina, and we did not get that. It was a great movie, but it's really light on the boning. Um, but here's the thing: I'm still convinced that they changed the line in the trailer as part of some fucked up marketing scheme for a movie that was way too smart for its time. You know, I mean, they didn't kind of like. It's kind of like the Freddy's Dead, place your bets. You yeah. know, that shit. Not did, the movie, people. They didn't know what the hell to do with that movie. I mean, the narration? Come on. Um, yeah, so I don't put it past them to try to lure people in to see this really smart movie by promising that you'll get to see, you know, fucking Sean Young and Harrison Ford stooping in a dusty room. So, 
I don't know. It still makes me angry because I feel like they advertised falsely to my impressionable, wide-eyed, pubescent self. And, you know, even though I love that movie now, like you said, I've got, what, six versions of it on my DVD shelf. But I don't know. There's no sex in the Void comp for him, and I'm very disappointed by that. Confession time? Yeah. 80, 85% of that movie is boring as shit to me, and it hurts it. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Blade Runner. Just throwing it out there. That's why the thought of a Blade Runner Sometimes sequel. I think there's something fundamentally wrong, Gary. I just, I'm just bored. Right? Maybe I watched it at the wrong time or something. I just, <laughs> I just never went back to it. I never went back yeah, to it. The whole Cronenberg remark that you made earlier, now this. And, uh, there's something seriously wrong. Yeah, something's going on here, man. I think eventually the last episode of the beef, we're just always going to start throwing shit at each other like fucking primates and stuff like that, you know? No, you're right. No, you're right for that like this movie. Fuck you. You're out of your mind, man. We should get to my beefs. God damn, you guys are going to shit. I don't know, man. Yeah, don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh, I just said that I never really enjoyed all that much. I mean, the parts of Rucky Howard are fun. Rucky Howard. Rucky Howard. Rutger Howard for fun. Uh, Daryl Hannah was hot. Sean Young was not in stripes. I uh, wasn't a huge fan, but you know, to each their own, you know. Um, yeah, I just didn't like it all that much, and I, I need to, to watch it again, apparently, to try to fix that and not be so bored and, you know, whatever. But next beef, sir. Maybe I don't know. Maybe now that's up to you. Uh, the next beef is one Jamie already knows about because we've discussed it at length. But um, uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is the worst horror sequel of all time. <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into this tonight, Jamie. Just let me just, just yeah. go for it. Go no, for it. Yeah. Sorry. whatever. Uh, <laughs> we've talked about this. We've talked I'm about this. Okay. I raged off. I raged off camera, off camera, off camera, off, 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 off the air. I, I did some off air raging about completely unrelated things. I'm kind of chill right now, so you can go. Okay, I blew off some steam. Um, I I enjoy the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, but I'm kind of like of two minds about it, just because when I look at it. From my point of view, which I feel to be rational, I know everyone thinks their point of view is rational, but I'm, of course, correct. Um, those movies should not exist. There's, there's no way that that's even possible. Um, Jason is dead. He is a child when he's dead. Um, <laughs> so him showing up at Alice's house at the beginning, you know, wearing fucking combat boots is silly. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, the, I, to me, the whole thing revolves around the fact that I think Jenny kind of dreamed him back to life and made him appear again and, and kill a bunch of people. And I just think that that's, I just think it's stupid. So I don't think the, rationally, that franchise shouldn't even exist. Now, if they had gone ahead and made, um, Alice the Killer, like they were originally going to for the sequel, that would have been cool because she's really little and I kind of want to see her, you know, holding a machete or a katana, like a lot. But, uh, no, the whole thing with, <clears throat> 
Jason and all the other theories about it. You know, like if he hadn't, you no, know, maybe he didn't really drown. He watched his mother being murdered. That's bullshit. Because why would he stay in the fucking forest for goddamn, you know, what, 20, 22 years and just Rambo himself? No. I don't know. I just. Well, I can't really argue with any of that. I mean, I uh, I have said for a long time I wanted to make a, a fan film called uh, Friday the 13th 1.5 that basically details Jason's traveling to Alice's house because, I mean, what did he do? Look her up in the phone book? Where the fuck did he find her? If GPS. Is he, like, going to local stores holding up a drawing that he made of her, going, with this her, and this is, you know... Can, and he, I have can to, he read? I don't think so. I don't so, think he I mean, either. It makes I gotta, no I, I, sense. It makes not one lick of sense, and I cannot argue with that. I just think it's a fun... It's a fun movie to me. But it really is, logistically, uh, no. I've, I've, used this, I've used this argument before, okay? I call it my Tomax and Zamod theory, because, you know, he feels as his brother feels... Maybe when, you know, Mrs. Voorhees had her head cut off, you know, that, that small time where she could still see, maybe she was looking through the eyes of Jason, and then he saw his killer, and then knew what she knew about this person, and then, you know, I'm just, I'm just spitfiring here, you know, but I, I need, I need an explanation. But I, I, I love what Mr. Voorhees. What original Star Trek series bullshit is that? Yeah, that's GI, that's GI Joe, Tomax, and Zamot. Okay, come on now. I didn't even know Tomax. I thought that was like an athlete's foot medicine. I didn't know no. what that was. See, Zomat is Tomax in reverse, and those are the Cobra. Those are the those are the Cobra Crimson Twins. And the gag is when one would get hit, the other the other brother would feel the pain. Did Jimmy Hart manage them? Uh, he should have, you know. <laughs> okay, so they were the Corsican brothers. In a way, yes. Okay. They, were much, they were much cooler and more debonair, you well, know. That's, that's, that wasn't hard. It, and nobody likes the Corsican brothers. <laughs> yeah, just throw it out there, okay? Yeah, nobody does. That was horrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right, I have one last beef, and it is the entire Paranormal Activity franchise. What is this? Only in America will we pay good money to sit inside a theater and watch surveillance footage waiting for a payoff. And when we get it, it's cabinets <laughs> opening. No shit. This fucking yeah, happened. I love the first one. No. Why don't we just call it one. going to Ikea? Uh, no, the first one's scary. It, no. I mean, I don't know. I saw it three times in theater. And, really? And the audience, yeah. And Well, it was because I went... I watched it here. I watched it at home, and then I went to New York. And while I was in New York, I was with some friends, and they wanted to go see it, so we went to go see it in Times Square. And then somehow I saw it through. But wow. um, anyway, it was watching the audience react to it. It was just it was incredible to me. It was a really fun experience. The first time I saw it, you know what scared me the most out of that movie was that one scene in the middle of the night where suddenly the hall light flips on, and then a couple seconds later flips back off. That freaked me out more than anything. That was the one thing that stuck in my mind and just freaked huh. me out. You know, and it's not even anything dangerous about that, or you know, like ooh, the whole light. But it just—I don't know—it just <laughs> freaks me out. Thinking about all the shit that can be happening when you're not aware of it, when you're sleeping, 
you know? I don't know. I mean, right. I, I dig it. Um, they did They did get stupid. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, then it turned I into... I can't argue with that. It turned into this weird story arc about, you know, like, bad adoptions and kidnappings and yeah. that Latino coven of naked women with horcruxes and Xboxes. It's just, it's a shambles. <laughs> Oh, oh God. And you know what? And that's the best one of the series, I think, because no one's seen the ghost dimension and never got a real proper release. But, we saw it. We went to the theater. Did you? Because I, I don't even think I it showed it. up here. I made him because I had seen all the other paranormal activities in the theater. And even though I hated the fourth one, I, I was okay with the marked ones. And then... I was like, well, I've seen them all. I have to see this one. And Brian's like, ah, uh, he didn't want to go. And then it was so bad. It's so it bad. Like, it's really, really, really fucking bad. I mean, because the, the, well, the biggest mistake you could make in a movie like that is trying to show the ghost. And that's exactly what this movie was all about. It was showing the ghost. And I'm like, you oh, just fuck up, boy. stupid. You know? I'll get, I'll get into that when I get into my beef, see? See, and the thing is, I think the marked ones is probably the best one of the series, but even that reminded me a lot of, you ever see Stay Proud with Robbie Benson? It reminded me a lot of that where he plays like a Latino gang member, and it's Robbie Benson, fuck you, what? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just don't understand how they made a friggin', was it five movie arc? Out out of this because it's it's to me it's as entertaining as being the security guard six at a bank. Count the mark- yeah, six if you count the mark ones. Oh my goodness! Okay, because, well, because- four and five, and I liked the mark ones too. I, I really I thought that was they just really cool things, and it was a little bit different from the other ones. And, yeah, it's um, just it's just hard to parse together into one coherent story and maybe it's not a coherent story. Maybe it's just you know six movies about cabinet refinishing. I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the last one does attempt to wrap everything up. It's just um, so if you get the opportunity to like, if you fall into it, then I would say watch it just because you've seen all the other ones and, it'll, and you see how they attempt to wrap everything yeah. up. And, kind of, uh, and I am a, go around it. But, but. I am a completist. I will watch it. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh-huh. yay! Those I are my beefs. S- I skipped Resurrection for a long time, so I'm okay. You know, Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay, okay with that. that. It's okay that you did that. Yeah. But I, I am a giant Busta Rhymes fan, though. I was so I say, did. How could you resist Bust to Bust? Because you know, Flip Mode is the greatest. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying, man. He's got oh, you okay. all in check. He does. <laughs> but uh, next up is uh, Jamie. What is your three greatest film beefs, girl? Okay, well, you know, I, um, I apparently I misunderstood the assignment because uh, I was <laughs> I was just thinking like film beefs in general, like what do you hate in film? Oh, um, I, got, I got a lot of that but, too, and then in the messages, so it's okay. But that's okay because um, while we were talking, I quickly figured it out because it's really not that hard for me. I mean, there are things that stick out that I've always hated, and I knew what they were right away, so. Um, starting that off, we have Aliens, which uh, it's really no secret how I feel about that movie. Um, I'm not a fan, and I think that it is it is serviceable as an action film, even though I really hate the characters. And uh, it, I, Brian made me watch the director's cut a while back because he likes it a lot, but 
he made me watch the director's cut, and I didn't think I was ever going to make it through that. I mean, oh my god, with that. It was such a jerk off movie. I'm like, Cameron, you can suck it. I'm I just oh ugh. Don't do that. Like even if you like the movie, don't watch the director's cut. Jesus Christ. Um but uh the reason that I have such ire for that film is very simple. It's very simple. It's because Alien is one of my all time favorite horror films. And I think it's incredibly scary. And I think that, you know, what um what was created along with, I mean, apart from the acting and the direction and the story, you've got Jerry Goldsmith's amazing score that just brought the whole thing to life. I, it got me when I was little. Um, for years, I couldn't eat spaghetti after that whole dinner table scene. And it just, it, it affected me on a, and even now watching it, uh, when we're watching the whole crawling through the air ducts and you're watching the blips on the monitor thing, to me, that is one of the most frightening moments in history. Uh, it is so incredibly effective. I love it. And then for Cameron to come along and turn this amazing horror film, uh, turn the sequel to that into just a big bloom of action movie, it just pissed me off. It really did. Because I, I just, it makes me angry. And I really just don't like the characters. Like I, I the dialogue is bad. I think, uh, and I just don't enjoy it, like at all. And I like action films. I don't have anything about action. I mean, I don't have anything against action films. I love action films, all kinds of action films. But or for that one in particular, I just I, I don't like it at all. Maybe even a little bit. So there's that. Um. Another one, and it's very similar, and people have probably heard me talk about this one, too, is Evil Dead 2. And everyone loves Evil Dead 2. I'm like the only person in the world that doesn't love Evil Dead 2. Um, and I got so pissed off the other day because someone there was a list on YouTube of sequels that are better than the original, and they named Evil Dead 2, and I just wanted to just... Oh, they also named Aliens, and I, that list made me want to set things on fire. I'm like, you even if you like Aliens, like even if you really, really, really like that film, how can you possibly say it's better than Alien? I just don't understand that. I don't think Evil Dead 2 is, I don't think Evil Dead 2 is better than Evil Dead 1. But I always thought of Evil Dead 2 as Evil Dead 1 on a budget. With a budget, I mean. Yeah, and, and I see that, but also Evil Dead. The uh, Evil Dead is scary to me. It's like a legitimately frightening film. And I kept after we watched that as kids, I kept my best friend up many nights, like doing that whole laughter thing, um, you know, like <laughs> or doing the card counting thing. And she would not be able to sleep, and I had a great deal of fun with that. Um, to me, it was legitimately frightening. And Evil Dead 2 just tosses every bit of that out the window for a bunch of slapstick. And I don't have a problem with slapstick in general, but that slapstick gets old really fast to me and gets really boring. I mean, I get very sick of it really fast. And it's probably because I love the original so much, and it's so different. Uh, but oddly enough, I love Army of Darkness, so I don't know. Figure that out. Um, <laughs> it's just... I think by the time we got to Army of Darkness, I was ready. I was, I was, I had reconciled with it. But uh, because Evil Dead was so frightening to me, when I was really excited when Evil Dead 2 was coming out, I still have the Fangoria, the issue of Fangoria, where 
um, with Evil Dead 2. And I was super, super excited. I read that. I don't have the original one that I had. I got a reprint of it because the original one was shredded because I read it front to back so many times. And I was just so incredibly excited about that movie coming out. And then when it did, I was so angry because it was so different from the first one. And then, you know, they redid a lot of things from the first one that I didn't like the way it was done. I didn't like the things that were cut out and the things that were added. I just didn't like it. So, but, um, and then the other one is high tension and I love the movie up until the very last bit. And then I want to drive over to Alexander Aja's house and slap him in the face <laughs> because I, I feel like what he had was a beautifully put together, really, uh, like organically violent film and it was very visceral and you had this fantastic character that was just so grisly that I, I don't know. It was, I love the way it played out. I love everything about it. And then I just can't get past the fact that the whole thing was tacked on to me. Every time I've seen it, I, I try to see past it. I try to see ways or, you know, places where, um, it looks like it was planned from the beginning and I just can't find it. I just don't see it. The whole, it, it, to this day, it seems so tacked on and so made up that it just pisses me off. Uh, because I think if he had left that part, if he'd left the ending out, then uh, I that would be a perfect film. Like, I would have no issue. And it's just like, to me, it's like you're driving along in the Autobahn and you're going super fast you're going as fast as you want because it's fucking Autobahn and no one can tell you what to do and the wind is blowing through your hair and you're having a fantastic time and then suddenly you drive off a fucking cliff that's what it feels like to me it's, it's so, like um, yeah, I, I, and I'm not shitting on Mr. Hitchcock at all but I've always resented the end of Psycho for a lot of reasons not the very end but the, the, the end where, where you get five minutes of oh, the talking about, yeah why Norman is the way he is I, I, I didn't need that in Psycho, and I, and, and I, don't, I don't apologize for it either. We'd be saying. Well, I don't, I, and I, I see that, but I think 1960 audiences may have needed that, or at least you may have felt that they did. Probably. Just because people back then didn't know what we know now. Yeah, but still, I just, I just kind of resented it for that. For for even today, I kind of resented for that, and I could see. But I get it. The the, the tacked on ending of you know high tension, and it, it was mentioned by somebody else that sent us a message. But, uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> hey, we're lesbians, and I, I'm badly in love with you. So I kill everybody, you know, and it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucking nuts. Um, yeah, yeah, and and I totally get what you're saying. Even if even if they felt the uh, it was necessary for the audience to psycho, to me that has always been a very clumsy exposition. Now, but, but to I be fair, it it, because it, I love the film, but there, there are better Hitchcock films than Psycho. In this humble podcast's opinion. <laughs> You know, just it's, oh, I agree with that. I, 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 I love it. I love it. But there, there are better. There, there are better Hitchcock films than that movie. X has been really quiet during all of my dumping here. Have you? Is, <laughs> I really like all those movies that you don't. I knew it. I knew it. I knew if you don't, if you don't speak up, then <laughs> then you're just not agreeing with me. Yeah, I, I can just, always tell. I know, right? 
Um, you know, I don't like James Cameron as a director or a human being, frankly. I don't either. No, Thank he's you. just, for that. Uh, he is a pretentious bastard ass. But I really... <laughs> I really enjoyed the characters in Aliens so much that I named my kid after one of them. So, oh, that's right. Ouch, I'm sorry. No, it's 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 cool. It's cool. <laughs> you don't have to like the movie or my kid. Um, I do. I also really like. I have a high tension shirt that I wear often. I love high tension. I do. I and just I don't like. I didn't think it felt tacked on. I really didn't. And come on, we've had a lot of movies where somebody was repressed and have ended up being the killer. I mean, it's it's a trope. I realize that, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't like think it was. Did you think I it was just offensive? don't think if you go. I just don't. No, I just think if you okay. go back through the film, it doesn't fit. Like there are so many things that have happened or throughout the film. It, to me, it just doesn't. It doesn't blend. It doesn't fit. It doesn't. It doesn't work. I just don't see it being believable. Um, okay. That's kind of thing. This is kind of like the end of 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I'm having my, my hands up against my, you know, to the side of my head when I say this, because aliens. You know, I just, I just seem really tacked out of you there, too, you know? <laughs> well, in that case, it, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's just true. <laughs> But you know what, though? I mean, I I agree with you to an extent about Evil Dead 2, although, don't get me wrong, I fucking love that movie. But it took me a long time. But it took me a long time to get to where I could because I was like you. The first time I saw Evil Dead, I was horrified. It really freaked me out. And I saw Evil Dead 2 in the theater when it came out, and I was like, why is this a Three Stooges movie? What's with the the eye-poking and the boinking and the waka-waka? I don't know what's going on. So it took me a few, you know, it took, it took me a few watches to really understand what he was trying to do, and I'm not sh- sure I still fully understand it. But it's one of those movies to me that you kind of understand it on a subconscious level, without like dialogue or anything that's that you would normally use in film. <laughs> so I understand it. On, I understand it on like this very base level, and that's where I really that's why I really enjoy it because I don't have to think about it. I don't have to. I don't care which Acadian demon it is. I'm just like, look at that shit. That's crazy. How big is this cabin? Um, so yeah, I really I really enjoy it on that line. But at the same time, I think your you know your opinions well well put, and I can't really fault it too much. So. That, I respect your opinion. I do. I mean, I'm not. That wasn't. That sounded kind of smart ass, and it was not intended to be. So I really. But uh, yay for the Cameron hate, because I am not. I am not a. I like Terminator, and I like um, The Abyss. Yeah. But Cameron, as on the whole, oh my god! And then, of course, uh, I guess if you guys heard that they're planning on four. Sequels to what the fuck is that? Avatar. Pocahontas. Last Rainforest. Oh <laughs> Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Four. Yeah, I've Four. Never, I have. I never Avatar. saw Avatar. I don't want to see Avatar. I don't need to see Avatar. No, to be honest, I never did either. And everyone's yeah. like, "You need." I'm like, "No, one, I don't like Cameron. Two, yeah. I don't give a shit about the spectacle of it all, and, no. and I really don't. And um. And I knew the story, and I was like, "That's a that story has been is Fern Gully, 
you know? Yeah. Um, and so basically it was just, I'm going to use the story that has been told many, many times. And I'm going to show you just how amazing I am with the special effects, but I don't need that. And yeah. I, I don't like the man. I don't like the man's movies. Uh, Titanic is one of the veins of my existence. Uh-huh. Um, I just, I don't need it. So yeah. I damn sure it wasn't going to support it, you know? Titanic is just... Not like he needs me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he doesn't need me. He's got millions of lonely housewives, you know, paying to see Titanic. <laughs> oh, I wish I could uh, have Savannah, a... I wish I could have a cute little like, lover that would fucking just freeze to death and uh-huh. die, and I could wave goodbye to him. But he drew me like one of his French girls, and now I've got this... Fucking diamond! I need to throw back in the ocean for no goddamn reason. Okay. I'm sorry. Did Kate Winslet and Leonardo seem very mismatched at that point in his life? Uh, to me, he just seemed really young for her. Yeah. yeah. I never thought they. I never thought they were believable. He, he Plus, didn't... I love Billy Zane and that whole thing. I was like Billy Zane, but it's right. Billy Zane, and he's got money. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only good part out of Zoolander 2 was Billy Zane. I'm sorry. Billy Zane's the only good thing in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's why we watch Demon Knight a lot. Yes, because it's awesome too, you know. Yep. Dick, 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 Dick. Yes. <laughs> best, use of, best use of Hey Man, Nice Shot ever, you know. Yarp. <laughs> Yarp. But, um, my beefs now. Oh, this is going to get controversial. But one of my beefs, and not directly, is is, is the very first Scream. And not because I don't think it's a very good movie. I like the first Scream. I just hate the stuff that begat Scream. But you cannot blame Scream for what came after. Uh, I'm a firm not, believer in, in Scream's fault. I'm a firm believer in the Ian Malcolm theory of they never thought that I forgot the line goes and if I probably should remember I've seen Jurassic Park like 14 times at least they never thought if they they could but why they should you know Scream happened and then the stuff that begat Scream like I said I hate non-Scream the stuff that begat Scream it's related to Scream though are you saying Scream switched genders and then we got the Prom Night remake yeah yeah Although I do love Britney Snow, so I'm torn. So you know, oh, I love Jonathan Shek, so what can I say? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know what you did last summer, and I'm I'm one of the biggest Sarah Michelle Gellar fans that you know, and I uh, didn't need that. I, I didn't need Valentine. Oh, uh, Urban uh, Legend, I like though. Urban Legend was fair. Yeah, I like that. There, there, there was there was a couple of good ones that came out of that, and uh, I, I, I would I would say that. Most of the Scream sequels are a waste of time, in, in my opinion. You know, I, I tried to watch them again recently. You know, I, I don't know if scare, the scary movie, mo- the scary movie films uh, took something away from that because that tends to happen with me. Like, I can't watch Boys in the Hood with a straight face anymore because of uh, "Don't Be a Menace" while drinking your juice and whatever in the hood, whatever <laughs> that Wayne's brother's joint was. You yeah. know. I can't watch with a straight face anymore just, just because of that movie. You say like every every time I see the um, the, the the scene where, where um they're, they're getting the gun out of the bath out of the bathroom tub and, and into the Godfather, 
all I can think about is Jay Moore pulling random guns out of the thing and not being his and then just getting covered with water and then in that Mafia movie, that the Zucker movie. But, uh, oh, yeah, the that, Christina Applegate? Yes, that Mafia one is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the stuff that came after it really, I think it hurt the genre. And, and, and not, you know, in, in a real bad way. I think it hurt the genre. Because I, I hear people talk about how the 90s wasn't a real good time for horror. But but if you look at horror pre-1996, you know, the leading up to Scream, there were some real good gems in there. And I think they're, they're fucking full of shit. Yeah, know? but it was, it was few and far between. And we weren't going to find anything good being released theatrically. And the ones that were, were disguised as thrillers. You know, no one wanted to use the H word back then. Scream made that happen again. And, and I, it deserves credit for that, I think. You know? Oh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not hating on Scream. It's just the stuff that came after Scream. And, it, 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 and it's not, not their fault. But if you look at the stuff that came out up, up, up to Scream for, from, from, from the 90s, and the stuff that came after Scream... But yeah, I'm a big fan of Disturbing Behavior, but it, it, it is a remake of Dead Kids. And I, I, I watched it recently, and and I, I really enjoyed that a lot more than Disturbing Behavior. Although, well, whatever. I'm not going to say anything right about 90s horror. Which is uh, one of those things where the stuff that came after it really... It kind of took me out of it. You know, UV is my favorite thing about this disturbing behavior. Yes, that they'll UV and uh, Katie Holmes. Because uh, <laughs> she's like this badass chick in that movie. You know? <laughs> she's dark. Yeah, it just kind of took me out of it. And it's one of those things where I just I just felt a little a little, a little sulky as a horror fan. But when that other that other garbage started to come out, I, I'm not a fan of the faculty. And I'll say it of all day long. Of course, you were sulky. It was the late '90s. Everyone was sulky. I'm not. I wasn't that kind of kid. <laughs> I wasn't that kind of kid. God, I was sulky in the late '90s, and I was in my 30s. <laughs> just, I mean, just a lot of pretty people in, in these films, and people com- complained about the Carrie see, the Carrie remake that the the one that came out with Chloe Moretz. Oh, they were all so pretty, and I was one of those people. But they were—they were—they're not really bitching about those other films that they came back to stream. Like I know what you did last summer, where it's full of pretty people. And you know, you, you know, like, oh, you almost don't want nothing to happen to them. But this is a horror film, folks, and stuff needs to happen to them. And I want the, I want bad things to happen to them more. Exactly. I was going to say, I don't think ever have I ever said I don't want bad things to happen to pretty people. Yeah, I've never said, please don't hurt the pretty people. But when you got those pretty people. But that's that's the audience. You got the audience that's over here, which is you guys, who's like, kill all the motherfuckers. And then you got the people, you know, now, and then... Here I go again, talking shit about the horror genre again. The, 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 those other people who watched The Walking Dead that, that, that they dumbed it down for, you know, those people who don't want the people to die, would get, uh, influence, influencing the the decisions, the, the decisions, decisions, decisions of the you know the the, the writers and the other producers and in in the people that make the movies for that genre to say you know okay. We're going to have this in there, but we're not going to include this because, you know what, it, it didn't do well with test audiences. So, so we're not going to kill this person off here. We're going to leave this person alive or whatever, what have you. 
because that does influence decisions of what happens in certain kinds of movies. And uh, that that is unfortunate, but you know, and that is why Channing Tatum died during that, that like thirty minutes into that GI Joe sequel, which is a film I enjoy, but they uh, say la vie, you know. <laughs> uh, not because Channing Tatum died. <laughs> I think that Channing Tatum is a fair actor. If you want to watch a good movie with Channing Tatum, watch the guy to recognize the saints, and the, the kids got chops. I'll, I'll say it all day long. Yeah, I'm still I'm still laughing at Jamie Seagan and Robbie Neville in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for picking that up. Uh, nice. Um, second film beef would be uh, <laughs> this is a film, and this this is. I guess like a childhood torture thing to me would be the film Dirty Dancing. This is a film that my, my, my sister watched a lot when I was younger. Me and my sister are three years apart. So when she when she was she was uh, like nine years old when that came out, I, I was six, so that's, that's a huge age gap. And people say, you know, and watch this out there. But this is a film about, in case you haven't seen Dirty Dancing, a people uh, about a family who goes to this resort, or not if they're on vacation or not, but whatever. Yeah. It, it, it basically about this this guy uh, Johnny, played by Patrick Swayze, that the Swayze is a uh, the Swayze is those boys those boys from chewing it with Kevin and Steve Colum. They they love that guy on that show. Uh, and I love him too, but not not in in the kind of gay way they love him. But uh, <laughs> he, he he has eyes for this super young girl played by Jennifer Grey and it's almost like a weird molestation tale to me and, and I've always thought of it like that even when I was younger like why is this older dude going for this younger chick and I wonder why poor old Jerry Orbach's not mad at him like okay just yeah I'd be a little upset too as a father but the film itself became a phenomena and I just phenomena I can't help these things I do it all the time but, uh, oh, Brian does that every time I say the word phenomena he does that every time so does Cootie. So thanks for that. That's he just love. did it. He just did it just now. That's, that's true love right there. See? Yep. He overheard me and he's over there. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> it's just a film that never grabbed me by, by genre or by taste. I think just because I was tortured with it for half my life. Well, and also why. probably because you were a nine year old boy. Well, no, <laughs> past, past nine years old, Jamie. Oh, what's, boy, in general. Boy, this, in general. It's not really a boy movie. It's kind of like the, the uncle. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's kind of like the uncle that touched you. You, you never forget that kind of thing, okay? But he did. It's, uh, I, I just didn't. I just know. I, I get bad feels whenever I see it on even. Like, no, don't play it again. You know, it's bad. <laughs> I've, I've never seen it. And that's because I've I've learned how to avoid things that I think are going to hurt me. And I think watching Dirty Dancing would physically cause me pain. Don't you ever just want to watch these things to have them in your lexicon, though? No, because at this point they're in everyone's lexicon, so I don't really need to appropriate it. I figure if I know enough to say, don't you know, nobody puts baby in a corner, I don't actually have... You get TV guide, you don't need the TV. Ah! <laughs> Way to go, Grandpa. So if I know enough to fake my way through it, I never have to watch that piece of shit. 
And it's not like I'm trying to fake it. I just I, you hear it all the time because it's already part of everyone's lexicon. So now I I just you know body snatcher it and play along. <laughs> I guess uh, my third biggest beef, and this is this is uh, this is about the horror genre in general. But when they tag the, the master of horror or the you know king of horror. Or, Whatever a four on a director who really hasn't earned it. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of. You know, I, I, I watch him, but I'm not, I don't love Eli Roth like some people do. Yeah, he, he makes he made like four films. All of a sudden, he was a master of horror. Yeah, like, yeah but of, of those four films, how many of them were actually good? I, I'd say a good one and a half if you had to piece them all together. And that, 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 that's not a very good. Uh, Ranking to call yourself a master of horror. I, I feel the same way about James Wan, where I, I try, I try, I try, I try, I try to, I try to, I try to sit through those Insidious films, and I really wanted to like them. Like I really wanted to like The Conjuring. I think the reason why I like, why I even liked The Conjuring slightly, and it, it was decent. Don't get me wrong, it, it looked good. It was a, I'm a big fan of Patrick Wilson and um, Mrs. Bates, after her name, but uh. And Vera stuff like Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. There you go. And uh, but it helped that I was in. I was sitting in the theater with an urban audience. He was like, "No, don't go in there, girl." Shit like that. You know that I was hearing you out of the crowd. It, it helped that I had those those sights and sounds of people talking. Not talking shit, but reacting to the movie. Because when, when I tried to watch it at home, it just it was like not a big old mess. But it was one of those things where I I, I see what you're doing there. But I'm just not feeling it. But it, it's it's better than, than Insidious to me because I watched Insidious later, and when that red face Darth Maul hooved looking motherfucker shows up, <laughs> I was done. I was like, this is ruined. The, it's like this ruined the fucking movie for me altogether. And this, when that that dude showed up and like looking looking like he did, and I was like, no. And then they go into more about and. This really hurts my soul because I really love Lynn Shay and you know talking about Insidious, but she she's made some trash that she's been in, but it hasn't because she had a trash performance. She's, she was just done. She was just in that film where the trashy film is, and uh, I wouldn't call him that, but just it just it just bore me. And Rob Zombie's the biggest defender. I think out of all the films he's made, he's made one good movie, and that's The Devil's Rejects. Other ones I, yeah. I like. Par- other ones I like parts of, and that's not including the Devil's Rejects. I mean, not including the um, what's the one with the bitches in the witch house? Uh, uh, Lord of Salem. I bitched about it like five uh, times. Lord of Salem. Yes, that, that film I did enjoy a lot, and I don't know if I've told the story of this podcast, but it was really funny because I met Patricia Quinn at a convention. And this is this was amongst all of her other Lords of Salem actors. She pulled me aside all by myself, and she asked me, "What did you really think of the film?" Because I told her, I, I told her I, the, the, the rawest truth I can give to her about why I didn't enjoy it. Not saying you know you fucking sucked in the fucking movie, you know shit like that. And she, I was honest with her, and she told me flat out that she didn't like it much either. That made that made my soul happy. That, that this this fiery Scottish babe who is probably one of our most favorite convention meets ever didn't like the film either. It, uh, that, that made me happy. And um, 
Yeah. That's not a redirect. There's other ones too. I think they've had their careers uh, that, that, are, that are alive and dead. You know. I, I, I feel love. about Scream Queens the way you feel about, you know, Masters of Horror. Um, mm-hmm. I, it really irks me when people throw out names. Are calling them like Ned Campbell. I mean, apart from the Scream franchise, what the fuck has she done for horror? Nothing. And yet, and no one wants to, no one ever mentions, you know, Linnea. No one ever mentions Debbie Rashawn. No one, and I'm like, what? The, you know, people don't even know what you're talking about, you know? Yet, you know, Ned Campbell gets thrown out as a Scream queen, and like, she was the queen of Scream. That's it. You know? That, 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 that goes back to my argument about. That set of people who watch those films, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's just one of one of those things that that that, that always always bothered me. I would call myself a connoisseur of horror. I tell there's there's probably eighty percent of the catalog I haven't seen that I'm waiting for people, folks to introduce me to and say, hey, you should really watch this movie. You know, maybe you might change the way you feel about this side or the other. And if you're out there, folks, oh, you should please. listen to a show called The ABCs of Hidden Horror. Then. Well, that show sucks. I listen to that show. <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. I'm so, I'm so angry. Jesus Christ! No, that is a great show. I, you guys should listen to that show. And, uh, yeah, that's why I listen to podcasts for for folks to turn me on to new stuff. You know, no matter what genre it is, and that 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 always helps things. That you know, they just they point me in the right direction. I I appreciate. Those people working so hard to do that, and or, or maybe effortless, effortlessly to do that, you know, however they feel about it. But yeah, those are uh, those are my three greatest film beefs. And uh, I'll put it to you, Jamie. Start you first. What is your greatest film rage quit? Uh, detention. That was easy for me. I didn't make it. I don't know if anyone has, if either of you have ever seen that movie. It was a Maybe last year, a couple years ago, I guess. It couldn't have been last year because I was, I was still living in Athens at the time. But I guess it was a couple years ago. Uh, it was a movie that we had to watch for Devour. And I got 28 minutes into it, and I bailed. I was like, I can't do this shit anymore. I mean, it was like, X and I were talking about hashtag horror earlier and how it was assaulting the senses, how it looked like. What did you say? It looked like it was filmed through a... A slot machine. Uh, slot machine? Yeah, okay. Um, this movie was, to me, more egregious than that. I mean, it was, it was just... It through a snow globe. It was just, you know, shit popping up on the screen all the time. The The dialogue was so intentionally just twee. I, I, don't, I was sick, 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 sick of it. Half an hour in, I couldn't do it. And I, I quit. I, I was like, I quit. I quit. I can't do it. And Bo and David ridiculed me endlessly for that because they did watch it. Um, and I was like, I'm sorry. You know, there are things that I just can't do, not even suggest. And that was one of them. I was just like, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> so, uh, there's, yeah, that's mine. And it's rare that I will do this. Is it is really rare? Like I even said earlier, Brian wanted to quit hashtag horror, and I wouldn't let him. I was like, no, I want to see if they make a point. It is extraordinarily rare for me to just like quit a film. Um, Headless was another movie last year that I couldn't stand, and I I made it all the way through. Uh, um, the um, the damn oh, you know they're real, you know, 
real life movie. What the fuck is that? Oh, August Underground. Um, I, uh. I just got so incredibly bored with that movie. I still got to the end because I was fast forwarding through parts where there were no dialogue on, like on, it was on video fast, but like I was watching it. Um, but when no one was talking, I was just fast forwarding until the talking parts. And then by the time we got to the second one, because we also had to do this for the hour, we got to the second one, I fast forwarded through most of it, and I was like, well, I can't even, I can't. Because the whole thing just bores me so much. It just, it's not shocking. I, I think they should have, it should have, there should have been one, and it should have been a short film. You know, because I get what you're, I get what you're going for. I gave him credit for the first movie for attempting to do something. But then when he went on to make two successive films, after that, then he lost all cred with me because he clearly had already made his point, and now he was just doing it to be doing it, and it, I thought it was steady and boring. But um, anyway, I don't even know why. Oh, except to say that I made it through those, I just fast forwarded. But with detention, I couldn't even do that. I was so not interested that I just flat it, and that never happened. It's just really rare. Have either of you guys seen that movie? I've seen a picture, a poster, and I actually watched a movie, though. Yeah, that's not the same thing. <laughs> so I have oh, heard of I this film. I guarantee your experience was better than mine. <laughs> and I have heard of the episode of Devour. I just can't really recall oh, the review. <laughs> I just can't really recall the review of me actually knowing what the movie was about. Uh, it's basically about a slasher in a high school or something like some kids are in detention and then there's a slap I think um I didn't get that far I couldn't I couldn't I think I remember more about the plot to hold your breath in that movie oh Jesus. <laughs> that's it and I even made it all the way to the end of hold your breath something about something about ghosts going in teenagers mouths and shit who the fuck knows so <laughs> but uh anyway so that's my detention I didn't make didn't even make it Okay, Papa X, what is your film, dude? You crazy rage quit. I dragged my grandmother and my little cousin out of the theater when we made the mistake of seeing Robert Altman's Popeye. <laughs> I saw that yeah. in the theater. I, I got to hear this, dude. Play I it hated it. I hated it from practically the moment it started. Robin Williams was fucking unintelligible, and the bleached blonde hair didn't help, so I couldn't even fucking look at him. So that meant the focus of the entire movie was Shelley goddamn Duvall, and she is the hardest thing in the world to look at in that movie. She's all <laughs> gangly limbs and big giant eyes, like like a painting in a 70s restaurant. She's just terrible. And then she starts singing. Oh, sweet fucking monkey Christ. It's like listening to someone gulp down hot acid lots of burbling and gasping and those fucking so those fucking songs he's large I'm he's mean large. what the fuck is that I've had a, I've always I have always had a high tolerance for crap even when I was a teenager but something about that movie just it just tripped my wire and I had to get out of there I was having like a panic attack like I need to leave this movie right now, so I stormed out, and I haven't looked at it since. I haven't revisited it, and I probably never will. You have to admit, though, that she is the perfect physical embodiment of Olive Oil. 
Yeah, she is, because it looks like somebody soaked her in vinegar for a couple of weeks, so her bones got all <laughs> flexible chicken and bone. bendy. Chicken yes. bone. I loved doing that when I was a kid. Yeah, that's what she's like. It's terrible. Oh. Trina went out and oh. take a chicken bone and put it in a jar of vinegar, and it turns to rubber, and it is the cruise day. Yes. Oh, oh. Jesus. <laughs> Stop. And get, 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 get the olive oil, you know, noise spray, you know. Oh, Ryan, Lewis does it, Ryan Lewis does it the best, that's all I'm saying. You know? Oh, hi. If you want to hear a great olive oil impression, go way in the Wayback Machine and look for our Popeye commentary we did for two drinking. Oh you might get some laughs out of there. Get some get some good dick jokes in there while you're at it, you know. No, I'll get some rage fuel. <laughs> oh, my... my greatest rage quit is um, a film that was made back and I, I forget what year and I'm not even going to think about it but it was in the time where MTV decided they thought who was funny and decided to throw it at it. and I, I fell on a hook, line, and sinker with him and you know, I'm going to mention next and Andy Milanakis and all kinds of stupid shit like that and this guy is uh, Tom Green, and he <laughs> made a film. Yes, he made a film called Freddy's Got Fingered. Oh, Freddy was it some sausage? Yeah, yeah, that shit there, yeah. <laughs> it's just a film about nothing, where basically Brian Cox is his father, who should be angry at his stupid son like he is, and that's probably the best part about the whole film with Brian Cox. But I didn't make it to the end of this film. I made it about halfway through I, I made it to to about the part where because the whole the whole uh, if you want to call it still having a point why it's called Freddy got fingered. Freddy is Tom Green's brother in the movie played by I forget the guy's name, but he was um, Finch from the Merry American Pie series. Yeah, Eddie K. Thomas. Yeah, there you go. Um, Eddie K. Thomas. Yeah. And he, t- Tom Green's big, big, I forget who he tells, says that. Brian Cox, who's the father, molested his brother. And for some reason, they take away the brother to a, a mental institution or something, or some kind of hospital. But that's how I show the movie off. But l- later on, I hear about Tom Green jerks off Elephant, and it's like a fire hose or something. And there's other stuff going yeah. on in this movie. And I, just, I didn't make it that far. This is just fucking stupid. I like Tom Green in small doses. He was he was part of that Charlie's Angels film, but that's about it. And uh, but the fact that they they let these people out, road like trip. him and, yeah, ro- funny and road trip. yeah, road trip again. He was uh, he was not in that movie much though. He wasn't he wasn't one of the the core people. He was there for like twenty minutes, and I was fine with that. And uh, he just they, they they made that movie, and somebody thought it was a good idea. And he was that popular to give it a big theatrical release. And boy, do they regret it to Geely-type proportions now that they fucking put that movie out now. And But then again, it'd be one of the movies in ten years. They're like, oh, dude, if you see Freddy Got Fingered, you wouldn't believe it, man. you got to watch this movie. You know, much like, you know, our Troll 2 is now, or Tommy Wiseau's The Room. One of those films that are so bad that folks say you got to see it. And I, 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 there's certain films out there that I turn myself off of. I, I've never seen this, a Serbian film. These are films that people tell me about. And what happens to these films? Like, dude, you know they got a baby rape in that movie. It's like, yep, I'm really turned off. Never seen Solo. 
Did you ever seen that film? Oh, that movie's boring as shit. I've actually watched it twice. I don't know why, but it's like uh, it, it bores the crap out of me. I've never seen human centipede films. Caligula is better. <laughs> I hear in the second. One, I'm sorry. I hear in the second one somebody jerks off at sandpaper. That's 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 something I want to watch. So I that's in like watch. the first minute of the film too. So you don't have to watch that. I like the second one. I did not like the first one, but I like the second one. And I, I, what's the chunky guy's name? L- Lawrence Harvey. I met that guy. He's a really nice guy. That's in those films. And you know, it, it, it's just. No, it's they're not good movies to me. And then in August Underground, like you mentioned, uh, and any of those films like that, I, I barely like Cannibal Holocaust. And the only reason why I, I like that a little bit is because I recognize what it did for the for, for that genre, that, that 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 cannibal genre. You know, out of all those films, it's probably the best one. Although it's something I don't enjoy, you know. But I'll I'll, I'll give it I'll give credit where credits due. I'll give Barry Manilow credit where credit's due. I don't like his tunes, but I'll recognize his skills, you know. Oh, I do <laughs> love Barry Manilow. Are you a fan of Lowe? Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much my, my greatest rage. What is, uh, is that like a frilly shirt-wearing juggalo? <laughs> I've, 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 it's like Juggalo's parents are, are fan of <laughs> Last time I saw a group of Juggalos, they were breaking Pokemon card game and, and instructional videos inside of a big crowd, and that was quite scary, you know. It's like I never get to hang out with these folks ever again. Bye-bye, Juggalos. But, um, yeah, that, that's mine. The Tom Green vehicle, Freddy got fingered. If you want to see a sod, go, go watch it or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm never going to finish it, so... Rage quit me right there. But, um. Well, it back- just so happens I'm streaming that at my wedding. Nice. On <laughs> <laughs> a loop? Yeah. I, I keep telling folks at my, my, my funeral, I'm just going to have that. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this video before, this YouTube video of all, all the Christopher Walken dance scenes in five minutes played the CNC Music Factories, everybody dance now. It's just going to be that in a so loop. So basically, it's just the. That one video, the the Fat Boy Slim video. Oh no, he danced a lot. <laughs> it is magical. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Which, by the way, I love that video. Yeah, yeah it's that's great, great stuff. But I'll 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 bring it to X, and you tell us or what film or, or films. You can go films if you want to. I've 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 heard films on the, some of the messages. Uh, shape the way that you watch films today. Um, it's just it's just one. And it was really the first time that I consciously realized um, how movies worked. And it's John Carpenter's Halloween. I didn't realize it while I was watching it because I was too busy being really, really scared. Um, I was a kid. I was like nine, ten the first time I saw it. And it really fucked me up. I mean, I was literally crying in fear while I was watching it. But I'd never been... You know that consciously scared by a movie before. So once I got some distance from it, you know, I I I wanted to know how that happened. How did how did that work? You know, why did why did that scare me? Why did it work so well that I almost pissed myself? What elements were involved? So that's the first movie where I actually I kind of broke it down into separate parts. 
because I was just really amazed at the efficiency of the whole thing. So I started to read about, you know, cinematography. I was learning about anamorphic lenses and deep focus, stuff like that. And I learned about the usage of intervals in music and half steps and dissonance. And I, I just tore that fucker apart. I read interviews with Carpenter and the people who were in it. I subscribed to Fangoria because of that movie. So, and I really started to understand how horror worked as, as a genre. You know, why things frighten us, why different things scare different people. And once I began immersing myself in that culture, again, at the age of 10, you know, I never, I never got out of it. I mean, it's not like I don't enjoy, I mean, I do enjoy other things as far as entertainment goes. I do a good magic show once in a while, uh, you know, some terrible pornography is okay. But, you know, horror has just been my thing since I was no, ten years old watching Halloween, and it just made me, it made me love movies, and it made me love horror. So there you go. Great. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Speak. Go ahead, Jamie. No, I was just saying. All right. Yeah, I think that <laughs> as, as far as uh, I go with the, with the, the Halloween thing, and I've been very fortunate over the years. I've been doing these these conventions for like ten, twelve years now. I, I've gotten to meet pr- pretty much everybody except for uh, L- Lindsay, the little, little little Lindsay, who was uh, one of the babysitting kids. You know, <laughs> I, I, I've met Dean Cundy, I've met John Carpenter, I, I've met Jamie Lee, and I've had the fortune to meet her in, in, in Indianapolis. P- PJ is is always uh, is a uh, is a get, and anytime I go to a convention, I'm going to visit PJ Souls because she's she's at most of them, and. Uh, yeah, somebody. I think I like like up to like twelve autographs on that that poster. Now I got, and so I I, I don't have the same. Yeah, you know, I I love the film. I just have the same affliction that that you have, where you 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 broke it all down like that. I, I can admire that, you know. But um, my favorite Kyle Richards role ever is when she gets her head shot in Precinct Thirteen. Yeah, they shot off. <laughs> I mean, I have nothing against her. I, I wanted just, vanilla. Know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, I have nothing against her, but you guys know me. I just love when kids get killed in movies. It, it makes me happy. Yes. <laughs> every, every time Ken Bree shoots those zombie breaths on the couch, I laugh every time. Yeah. <laughs> get off, you little white children. I laugh every time. Jamie, uh, that same question, on to you, babe. Well, one of mine is going to be pretty predictable. Actually, two of mine will be pretty predictable, probably, if you uh, ever pay attention to anything I say. Um, one of them may be a little surprising, but there are several movies that shaped my love of cinema over the years. Um, um, starting with the movie, I'm just going to go here. I didn't realize it at the time, but because I was way too young. But the, the first movie that really shaped or helped to shape my love of cinema and how I love cinema was Salem's Lot. And that's because when that originally aired, it scared the crap out of me. And everyone has heard the story. Um, it listens to my other shows where I talk about horror. And that's that, you know, because of that film, I slept with my neck covered for a very long time after it. And still to this day, you could scratch my bedroom window and freak me out. All true. And that began my love affair with horror. I didn't know it 
at the time. I didn't know what I would become and how much I would, I would end up loving the genre on the whole, but that is what started it all. Um, then the movies, there are two that are probably neck and neck as far as making me really, really dissect cinema, get into it, really care about the inner workings of it, and just want to just smash it all into my face. And that is, um, of course, Jaws. Everyone knows that. Um, but the other one is Gone with the Wind. And I was such a huge fan of Gone with the Wind when I was younger, just the inner workings of it. And going behind the scenes, watching documentaries on that, reading everything I could about it, it amazes me to this day that that movie even got made just because of everything that went into it. It was just astounding. And it was really stuff that holds up today visually. Uh, it is it's remarkable. And, um, you know, uh, like matte paintings and, and things that people still use sometimes. Um, but the fact that uh, he was so into all of the clothes being as authentic as possible, you know, and that was caught a fortune. Um, there's a scene in Atlanta where there are soldiers, like thousands of soldiers littering the ground, and a lot of those are real people in costume, but a lot of them are dummies with just, like, one movable body part that people were controlling, and they would, it would just be like a movable arm, and to me that is extremely advanced for the time period, and the fact that they would even think to do that, uh, to give it just a little bit of a touch of realism to attempt to. Um, it is, you know, I don't know, people feel one way or the other about that film, and there was a time when it was universally loved, when everyone just, just said, wow, that is an amazing film. And now you don't seem to find that as often, and I think uh, a lot of people have issues with it politically or or whatever. Maybe they just find it boring. Maybe it's too long. But um, there, if you want to look at something strictly from a filmmaking perspective, that's a good place to start. It really is. And, um, you know, kind of neck and neck with that is Wizard of Oz. Um, not for me personally, but just as far as, uh, you know, same time, a lot of really advanced filmmaking stuff, a lot of stuff that holds up today. Those are two films that I that have managed to stand the test of time as far as filmmaking goes. And then, you know, Jaws, I just, that movie affected me on so many levels, I can't even. I have poured over everything I ever possibly could about that movie. It is It became an obsession for a while. And to this day, if I watch a documentary about that film, I will cry. I will. Uh, because beauty moves me. And to me, that is a beautiful film. And so watching the, the, everything that went on behind the scenes with that film just touches me. Um, I don't know. Just, there's no good way to say what I was about to say. <laughs> it touches me in an artistic place. But that just sounds like a really awkward euphemism. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, but, I, I really felt for the shark and all this good stuff. They, they were in his land and they should have just let Well, be that too. That too. I mean, in, in a real life, um, I do get angry. I mean, I got angry because after that film, there was this whole influx of, of people going out and just 
murdering sharks in wild abandon, uh, abandoned, uh, wild abandoned because of Blame. that film. And, and Peter Benchley even regretted that. So it, it, yeah, there is that. But um, I don't know. As far as filmmaking goes, um, to me, that's one of the greatest feats ever achieved. It's funny. I, I never told this before, Jamie, but I, I met when I met Dee Wallace. I think like for the for the first or second time. I think I met her two times. I showed her the the art for the the beef episode we did for Cujo. I forget who was on that show, and I apologize for that, guys. But uh, the title was um, so, something kids and, and, and rabbit heroes. Rabbit heroes being the dog. I, I had to try, I had to explain myself why I called Cujo a rabbit hero. It's like because you know you were you were kind of cheating on your husband and with, with that tennis pro and you know it's kind of like divine intervention that you, you and your, your your emaciated son get attacked by this dog. That's all I'm saying. You know? What did she say to that? She 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 went speechless, but it's like almost like wow, new perspective. Like that's not really a new perspective. It's just one of those things where yeah, karma's a bitch. <laughs> You were cheating on your husband. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Was that the time that she called me? Because I'm kind of I'm kind of amazed. If that, 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 that that was the time. Yeah, she called. Wow. Me. Okay. Well, she must not have been too upset by that. <laughs> oh, she went bad. It's just you know the perspective. It's a wild perspective, but it's perspective nonetheless. You know. That's why I do these things, people. <laughs> But of mine, uh, it's, it's, it, it wasn't really hard to come up with this, and, but I came up with two. Or no, no, I'll just, I'll just do the one. Uh, when I was younger, uh, I, my, my cousin Joey, we had a, a, prior, a better decade on me, at least, at least a decade on me in years. We would hang out a lot and play Dungeons and Dragons, and he would show me certain films. Well, one of the films that he showed me that pretty much shaped the way I watch films today is uh, the Oliver Stone written... John Millie is directed, Arnold Schwarzenegger starring, Conan the Barbarian. And uh, right from the go, I knew I was going to like this film. You had Mako, who, who's a... Uh, Mako, I mean, I'm sorry. It, it was a Mako. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> was a what? Mako, yeah. <laughs> Mako was uh, doing the narration, and then that great Basil Polidori score kicks in, and they put the drums and the, the beats and the I just, I just knew I was going to love this movie, and it did not disappoint at all. It still doesn't disappoint. You had, uh, you get, you get blood and gore in this movie. You got Sandal Bergman cutting people's heads off. You got fucking James Earl Jones, a snake person. At a young age, I saw titties in films, so that was a lot of fun. And, you know, cool soundtrack too. Yes, yes, I mentioned, I mentioned this story. Is it? <laughs> but yeah, the soundtrack, uh, and it, it's been, it's been imitated, but not, not, you know, not the same as Conan and Conan. It's just, uh, it, it taught me that a score. You talk about the score can can be almost like a, a member, a cast member of the film, because it was almost a character in itself. I, I used, to, I used to just turn on the score just to play video games. And the, especially That's the, what the, we listen to whenever we play D and D. It's like every time there's like a battle. This is so fucking. Alright, whenever there's a battle, a battle coming up in D and D, Brian, who is the DM and that has always been for this group, um, will just reach over and click up, click on the 
the soundtrack and it just and it's it really is cool like it adds to that all right cool is a strong word but it adds it, it is don't, don't discount it because it is uh um and it's just i don't know it just so every time i hear it now i think of playing D and um, did i ever tell you the story about me not getting to see that movie in the theater no i'm, I'm curious now my family and i were all going to the movies and it was that film and Rocky Three were playing. Oh, and yeah. got into this huge fight. I wanted to go see Conan. Everybody else wanted to see Rocky Three. And so since I was the youngest one in the family, I lost. And I, I love I love Rocky Three. I, I do I as well, yes. Absolutely love Rocky Three. So there's not a problem in that. It's just that I was so angry. Because I'm like, no, I want to see Conan. And then everyone else wanted to see Rocky Three, So we ended up seeing Rocky Three, but which was fine. I mean, because it was a good movie, so yay. And then, of course, I did get to see it later. But I was an angry, angry child that day. I was so upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that film, though, it gives me, you know, gives me my, the, the way I feel already now is, Pretty much the same way I felt when I, when I watched Conan for the first time. I knew this was going to be a guy that was going to be in my life for a long time, and I'm grateful he's still doing what he does, but not saying, okay, I'm a young man. I'm going to go make these young man action films. He's kind of playing like this this old man action star. I can, I can really appreciate that he's not really playing before his age. Um, Sandal Bergman, who's a... She's like a sex symbol to me, <laughs> you know. I, I love her. I love her and everything, except, except for maybe a little less than Red Sonia because she was kind of a bad guy in that movie. I, I got to meet her last year for the first time, and it was like a revelation. I was like, I think I'm probably the most heterosexual male you know that like that loves Xanadu as much as I do. You know, it's just one of those things. Because she she was in that movie and uh, Red, Red Sonia and Conan. I and I, I watched there was a bunch, and yeah, especially Conan. Because of everything I mentioned, not just Arnie, but Spinelli Thorson, who's an actor that, if you don't know his name, you've seen Spinelli Thorson a bunch. He was LaFour's and the security guard in Mallrats. He's in Hard Target. He's in, he's in a ton of stuff. If you look at his IMDb page and you look at the face, you know who Spinelli Thorson is because he's, he's been in a ton of stuff. And, uh, he was hit. I think his biggest, I think his only starring role, and this is either unfortunate but not unfortunate, was in Abraxas with Jesse the Body Ventura. He played Secundus, the bad guy. And uh, that that was, uh, I guess that was quite a treat for him, but you know, whatever. But uh, Conan's my film. Conan will always be my film. It, it's a go-to film. I've seen it a bunch. I'm going to see it a bunch more times. The sequel's a little, little lackluster, but I'll watch that one, too. Because Bob the Goon is his little little running partner, and I love that shit, you know? And, um... But, yeah! That's about it for this segment, and, um... Now Xanadu's stuck in my head. Oh, yeah, he, she is as well as should be. Come on, now. No. Well, at least it kicked out Robbie Neville. <laughs> <laughs> I actually well, really enjoyed that, that movie. I've oh, seen yeah. Dirty Dancing, but I've seen Xanadu a shit done, so. <laughs> but with that, we're going to come back and we're going to close up the program. 
And now finally, <laughs> we're almost done, folks. I promise. I promise we're almost done. Uh, final messages from Ben and Misty from the Black Annis Horror Podcast. And my main partners at the NFW and the Two Drink Venom Pod commentaries is uh, Willis and Nudie left messages as well. So here those go, and then uh, we'll be getting right back to you guys soon. Bye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of NFW Podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, Gary, it's Nudie here. Just wanted to congratulate you on three years of beefing. Of course, I'm going to say our episode was the best beef ever. <laughs> I mean, come on. We talked to Friday the 13th, and we did Bad Boys with my Sean Penn. So, there you go. That's the best beef of the beef that there ever was a beef beef. And I don't even think we beefed that much on it. I think I kind of talked you into liking the Friday the 13th. So, once again, congratulations. And I don't if I ever flipped out on a movie and, like, walked out of a movie. I don't... If I go see something, I know it's something that I'm going to like, so I don't waste my money on stuff that I'm not too sure about. Like, Jake will go see everything. But then again, Jake likes everything. <laughs> I think Jake liked Bucky Larson. <laughs> so, yeah. I uh, got to say, though, I was kind of pissed off at the ending of High Tension. The whole movie, that ending just killed the whole movie for me. I thought that was kind of weird. That that's how they would decide to end the movie, but... You know, I mean, it is what it is, but I was kind of pissed off about that. But once again, congratulations, and, you know, three years is a long time to be doing this stuff, and you're still going strong, more than one show, so I guess we'll be celebrating uh, two drink minimum soon. So once again, congratulations, and peace out. Right, this is Misty and Ben from the Black Anis Podcast, Cinema Beef. Happy third anniversary. Happy anniversary. To our favorite bears. We have been given some questions. Our three greatest film beefs. <laughs> so we're going to go like the least amount of beef to the most amount of beef. Oh dear. In order. <laughs> and if anybody knows us. <laughs> Oddly enough, the least amount of beef we can't agree on. It's the Halloween remake. The Rob Zombie remake. Don't send us hate email. I voted for... Rob Zombie's original Halloween remake. And I voted for Halloween 2. They're both shit. Hated hated the Halloween remake. I hated it because everything about Michael Myers is wrong. The whole point of Michael Myers is that he was meant to be pure evil. He was from a good, normal, suburban family. There was nothing wrong. He was just evil, incarnate. Yeah, but in the second one, they brought in ghosts and a white horse. And the fact he was living as a hobo. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. yeah. But in the first one, he completely fucks up the entire concept of Michael Myers. Is like, oh, he's actually just like a serial killer and his family's all white trash and yeah. he, you know, that's why. It's but just fucking shut up. Ghost and a hobo. <laughs> okay, yeah. Ghost and a hobo. The, the whole horse thing. Yeah. Um, that was awful. Pretty, pretty fucking bad. And him as a child telling him to kill people and the yeah. river of blood will make it right. Bullshit. Yeah, that's our nomination for our third <laughs> of the top three film <laughs> beefs. Countdown to number two. Yeah, the second one is more my beef than Ben's because he yeah. hasn't seen it. And it's the I remake. I, I have, I was indifferent to it. I was not indifferent to it because that is the only movie I've ever watched where I felt insulted as a viewer. They tried to dumb it down so fucking much for American audiences that it insulted my intelligence 
as a viewer of the movie. If you can't guess, she's talking about the Eye remake. Yeah, the the remake of the Eye. Um, and I was a big fan of the original, but the remake was just fucking patronizing. God, it was so patronizing. <laughs> Number one biggest <laughs> film beef is a movie that Ben and I saw about seven years ago, and we are still pissed off <laughs> at the movie. <laughs> what, released in 2010, Monsters. Yeah, yeah. And if any of you have had the unfortunate, painstaking job of ever of seeing that movie, you'll know that you're like, oh, monsters, big giant monsters, mutated aliens, whatever they were supposed to be. But no, you get an hour and a half of a woman that just needs to go pee. Seriously, like, there's <sighs> one shot in the whole movie where you see the big aliens in the distance, and it looks really beautiful, but everything else in that movie, it is like, the whole, nothing fucking happens. The whole movie is like... Th- them wondering she, and her needing to go pee. Yeah, she needs to pee every five minutes, and we have to go along for this ride of her needing to pee every five minutes and then she like loses her passport or some stupid shit yeah. like, it's just fucking oh god it's boring it's so boring <laughs> like I cannot get that time in my life back right uh, greatest film rage quit I have never rage quit a film I've, I have I know I had to have at some point uh, I have yeah Ben has <laughs> one movie yeah. and we, we were looking at you know when you're looking at like what cool Halloween movie should we watch you know getting random horror movies found one called Thanks Killing now, if anybody ever knows this one, <coughs> it's a rubber turkey that kills people. Which uh, I have no problem with. Yeah, I, <laughs> I managed to last through six minutes of the intro and then just turned it off because it was just like, what the fuck is this that's on the screen right now? <laughs> See, I didn't, I didn't rage quit that movie because... Oh, oh no, no, bear in mind, I watched Troll 2. Troll 2 is great, Exactly. Come on. <laughs> and the quality of Troll 2 was Hollywood compared to... <laughs> Thanks Killing in oh my word but you cannot deny that Thanks Killing had a badass soundtrack yeah oh my god some of the doom metal on that soundtrack made me like I, I that's why I didn't rage quit it because I was like yeah the movie so far is shit but man I love the music I'm just, yeah. I should just keep watching it, but yeah. Ben wasn't having it. No, <laughs> it, it left very quickly, though, <laughs> and got deleted and never watched again. <laughs> right, so a film that shaped the way you watch films today. Me, personally, I'm going to go with Dead Alive. Oh, brain Dead. Okay, for Dead... The, for the English listeners, aren't they? Yeah, Brain Dead slash Dead Alive. Obviously, I've been watching horror movies for years and things like that, but that movie really, I don't know, it's its like, um, it gave me more of an appreciation for the ridiculous and over the top. And I mean, I had a bit of that sort of appreciation beforehand, but when I saw that movie, I was it, probably... It is an epic movie, though, to be fair. It's brilliant. Yeah, I was, I was probably like 16, 17 when I saw yeah. it, and it was that was it. I was just, just delight yeah. in the ca- carnage, you know? Yeah, I had that. One of my friends just brought it around DVD. He was like, we should watch this, and we just got drunk and watched it, and it was just one of the coolest things I've seen. It's, it, <laughs> the, the one-liners, the, I mean, God, it's, it just completely <laughs> ma- gave me a hunger for yeah. over-the-top. It, it was his mother eating her own ear and him walking through the entire room of zombies with the lawnmower strapped to his chair. Chest that they've with us, and the priest. priest, I kick ass for the the Lord. Priest, man. (laughs) So, what was what was your film that shaped the way you watched films? Uh, The original Troll movie, not Troll Two, the one that was actually about a troll. Why? How did that like shape the way? That's what started all off. I mean, I was. I mean, I must have been you know eight, nine years old. I was 
I was a little kid and I remember watching this and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, that that was the one movie I, and I, I couldn't watch it again for years. I'm going to have but, to find... But, but when I did, you know, it's like really, really tame but that's what sort of started me off on my whole horror binge of watching horror movies and enjoying <laughs> horror movies. That's but, adorable. But I, no, I just remember it just being awesome. Just some of the stuff in it. I'd never, you know, obviously at that age I'd never seen anything like it before. Yeah. So I sort of set it all off. <laughs> nice one. I'm, you know, I don't think I've ever seen the original troll if i did it was so long ago i don't remember it let me get it for you yeah we totally gotta watch it right so that that's our uh, our beefs happy third anniversary guys look forward to many more years of uh cinema yeah. beef our three beefs for three years of cinema beef <laughs> take care guys hey peeps this is wild man was here and here are some of my greatest film beefs number one Please stop trying to make all these damn PG-13 horror movies. I miss the days of Raider R horror movies with blood, tits, and ass, and dismemberments at the movie screen. And I'm tired of all these damn stupid, insidious movies. That's beef number one. Beef number two. Please Stop trying to make Superman into a dark and gloomy character. He's a symbol of all hope. He's the man of steel. Stop trying to put doom and gloom in Superman. He shouldn't be like that. Get your act together, Hollywood. That's why Christopher Reeve will always remain to be the best Superman ever. And my third beef is I'm tired. Of Hollywood not trying to greenlit original ideas for movies. I know I love comic book movies and stuff, but I don't want to see new stuff that nobody ever seen before at the movies. So Hollywood, get your act together. And my movie that I watched it, I quit watching it because I hate the movie so much. It's E.T. I hate that movie with a passion. And the movie that helped me view movies the way I do now is Star Wars. Star Wars will be always the perfect movie in my mind. So that's it. This is Wildman Willis signing off. See you next time. Well, love it or hate it, that was our, our 30-year anniversary program. And, uh... We all hope you guys enjoyed it. 30 years? 30? 30 years. 30 years of doing this show, people. No, third, 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 third year. Man. So time doesn't fly. Third year of doing this show. And uh, I'd like to thank everybody. Definitely. I'd like to thank everybody that participated in it. So I like discussing the talkies. The talkies, yes, indeed. <laughs> instead, of the, instead of the MP3s. And uh, to support the show, uh, all these three years, I've, I've been through some some stuff in my life that yeah, uh, I that maybe stopped doing the show for a little little hiatus or whatnot. And I, I feel that we bounced back pretty good from from that. And I'm grateful to have my my second family here with me to to do that. And lots lots of love to you guys. If you guys if I haven't shown enough, I I, lo- I love the shit out of you guys and uh, for your for your constant support and putting up with me basically you know it's, it's been a real treat for me Aww, you guys are right.
Yeah, I, Gary, I, I do love you a lot, and it it meant so much to me when you asked me to join this show with you because I. I always love talking to you, but this gives you the opportunity to talk about some really weird shit. And, <laughs> and you know, um, it's one of the few times I venture outside the genre and just go all over the place. And I've, it's fun, and I've always wanted a vehicle for that, where we just go all random. And it is always, I always look forward to talking to you, whether it's on this show or even on other shows, just because I always appreciate your insight. You have a fantastic, to say, a, you know, a knowledge hole in the brain. Um, <laughs> you your knowledge brain. hole? I want to use knowledge I, hole from now on. I, I did. I did. <laughs> Dude, your um, head brain works real good. Yeah, and I love being with you guys and with the talking about it. Um, it just, uh, yeah. I mean, you always get my uh, my off kilter references and my, <laughs> my random ass jokes, <laughs> and that you know that means a lot. It really does. Well, yeah, I understand that completely. You get mine too, which I really appreciate. <laughs> And I don't know. I really enjoy working with you guys. It's a lot of fun. You, like Jamie said, Gary makes me watch shit that I would never fucking ever watch in my life. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so it it kind of kicks me out of my shell a little bit and broadens my horizons. So, you guys are a lot of fun. I always look forward to doing this show, and I hope everybody who listens, you know, picks up on the fact that we all enjoy hanging out with each other and talking about movies. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys well for that reason. You guys, like I said, podcasters turn me on to do things, and X mentions movies that I, I've never ever heard of before in my life. Because I, I, I'm not calling you old, but you've been on this earth longer than I have. So, so, so he, <laughs> I pay attention to weird shit. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so you, you, you've been around it, and I knew what the Manitou was before I ever met you, but you know, it's stuff like weird stuff like the Manitou and stuff like that just to point it out to me to say, hey, maybe you should watch this weird piece of garbage because you really might enjoy it. You know, nine, nine times out of ten, you're probably correct because we... I feel that we know each other's tastes. I think we do. You, you guys know I'm going to bitch about the horror genre. Yep. Not, 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 not in a bad way, you know, because if you like it, you like it, you know. I'm just, I just have certain feelings about certain things, and I like what I like. I mean, do, 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 do I do it? God, it's like the angriest curmudgeon ever, I swear. Do, do, do I recognize the Gialli genre as, 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 a, as a great genre? <laughs> Sure, I just don't like it very much because I just I just don't get the appeal of it. But I, I recognize that there's a lot of fans out there who do love it, and I can see why. But like Blood Black Lace is, is a really pretty film to look at. Yep. I just don't think it's very good. <laughs> but but it's, it's regarded by a lot of other people as good. So you know, if, if you like what you like, you, you like it. And, you know, I'll never, never, ever, ever shit on somebody for liking something. This is somebody who's seen the Garbage Pail Kids movie at least a dozen, at least a dozen times. There you go. And that's that's not a good movie. No. But, but it's stuff that I've it's stuff that I've seen a bunch of times. <laughs> um. So yeah, never think that you, your your cinematic tastes are wrong because they, they you know 
even folks who like Freddy's Got Fingered have a have a voice, and that's what this show is all about, people. You having a voice. And, uh, and just like at my wedding, they're going to be like, hey, Minister, Jamie, would you like some sausage? Don't do that. I would. <laughs> the, the sausage comes after the reception, if you know what I'm my, saying. Those wait, are wait. my vows. <laughs> <laughs> I offer them just for your enjoyment. Oh, don't do that. That'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Family so letters. What? I shouldn't oh, title the wedding Jamie Got Fingered. <laughs> well, like I said, that comes after yeah, the that's wedding. The re- that's the reception. <laughs> that's the after Ooh, party. Who the world star? <laughs> starring Brian M. Simmons. Or maybe just starring oh. Jamie Jenkins by herself, you know, because, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about this anymore. You guys, I don't know. We know the kind of shit Brian works around. Maybe it's, maybe it's Jamie got tentacled. Who knows? <laughs> right. I'm betting, I'm betting Brian Sanders loves Japanese hentai tentacle porn. I, I'm just, I mean, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there, you know. It's so Lovecraftian, as a matter of fact, you know. <laughs> He will appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, the next show is the show that we're going to record, which will probably be, I'm, I'm shooting for a Mother's Day release. So it's going to be your Mother's Day show, and uh, we're going to record it uh, with uh, the, the Black Annis folks, uh, Misty and Ben, if you guys like that kind of thing. They're going to come join us for our Mother's Day program, which is going to feature three films that I hope you like. Uh, one film I haven't seen in a long, long time, but it used to make me laugh uh, on cable. My Mom's a Werewolf. And uh, we're going to do Serial Mom, which is a film I know I love. We're going to do a film that everybody listening to this show probably loves. Peter Jackson's Brain Dead or Dead Alive, whatever you call it. We're going to do that because we all love our mothers, and those guys all, all love their mothers as well in those films. So it's a common theme for, for the Mother's Day show. But um, what, so a, you, what a bunch of mothers! What a, what bunch, a bunch of mothers! Of yes, indeed. Um, Jamie, where can they find your stuff, girl? Oh, let's see. Now you can find my stuff. Most of it over at Horrorphilia, like the Skeleton Crew and um, um, ABC's of Hidden Horror and little episodes. Or you can find some at Legion, like. What's left of Devour and <laughs> Evil Episodes over there, too. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Maven1974. Beautiful. X. Uh, you can mostly find me on Kiss the Goat, which I host with my beautiful wife, Cutie, where we talk about devil movies. And our correspondent, Sin Fallon, does our Satan in the News segment, which is always a good time. Um... Let's see. Where else can you can find me on the um, Theme Warriors podcast with Doug Tilly and Mike Merriman and Iris, and <laughs> and you can find me um, whatever the hell we recorded on the Guilty as Charged show, the Night Stalker retrospective. Um, I've got a guest shot coming up on Cinema Psyops, which will be out on Sunday. And you can find me on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter, Jeffrey X. Martin. Just look for me, and I'll magically show up like the fucking ShamWow guy. <laughs> ShamWow guy. 
Uh, yeah, you can find me here as always on the Simbi Podcast. On the two drink room commentaries with Willis and Nudie and all, we've been getting some interesting guests on that show. So look for those to come out. Hopefully every Wednesday when, as I'm recording this show, I'm gonna release the Friday night one and two one tomorrow, and then by the time this may probably will come out, those will be out already, and uh, this one soon after, obviously. But um, yeah, besides that, Twitter at GW. Um, uh, at Cinema Beef Cast as well, if you guys want to follow us both on Twitter like that. Uh, come join the Facebook group. I think uh, for this particular show, I'm going to pick three random people off of the list. If uh, you guys would like a, a gift from me, I'll contact you once I pick those three random people, and you guys can win a gift, a uh, free gift from us. But always check us out on iTunes. And yeah, but yeah, awesome, right? <laughs> Rate review us on iTunes, please, and uh, it might uh, make our, our nice day a little brighter if you guys did that and help us get seen better on iTunes and all that good shit. Find us on Stitcher Smart Radio, yada, yada, yada. If you're listening to this show, you've already obviously already found us, so thanks for that, guys. Really appreciate that. And thanks for, uh, again, if I haven't said it enough, thanks for all the love over these past three years. It's, it, it may seem like it's been a hard road for me, but it, it, it probably has, but it has nothing to do with this program. This program has always been the best the best therapy for me. When I want to punch a hole through drywall. So, you know, you people are the best for that reason. But remember, always hear the Simbi Podcast. If you got beef, we've got the grinding. See you guys next time.
during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.